Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with author, life coach, and speaker, Rebecca Weller. Thanks for coming on the show, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me, Jonathan. Yes, absolutely. And I want to jump right in here at the beginning of your first book, A Happier Hour, Uh, you talk about that final hangover. And so I want to rewind just a little bit. Can you tell us what was going on before you got sober? Like what actually led up to that final hangover? Mm, Yes, (laughs) I, I had always been a binge drinker. So throughout my teens, throughout my, my twenties and my thirties, I had really had this binge drinking um, issue. And I think it it first arose from being very shy and very introverted. And it helped me with going to social events and it helped as this sort of, you know, social lubricant in a way of, of helping me to socialize and becoming that confident and outgoing person that I really wanted to be and I found myself as we do surrounded by others who love to drink more like these are the friends that I wanted I found myself in careers where we had a lot of functions and it was very normalized to drink a lot um, whether it was I moved to London for a little while and I worked in um, corporate banking and it was very much a drinking at lunchtime sort of culture when I moved back to Sydney and then back to Perth, I, I worked in the oil and gas industry, which was also had this huge um, budget for entertaining. Sure. And I had, when just before I stopped drinking, I was six months into running my own business. I had got this idea into my head after heading down a path of learning more about nutrition and working on food and my body and body image and things like this that I wanted to become a health coach and I embarked on these studies and it had inspired me to want to share with others what I had learned. So I had taken this big leap and left my corporate role where I was working as a cost engineer for this global energy company all of my colleagues thought I had lost my mind. (laughs) I had no clients at the time, but it was just Mm -hmm. this leap of faith of like, you know what, I've got some life savings and I'm just going to dive in and just see what happens. But what I couldn't quite reconcile in my mind is that I still had this binge drinking issue. Yes, I was eating healthier and I was working on so many things in sort of personal development and self-care, but I was still making excuses for the binge drinking. And I thought when I left the corporate world that this was would magically disappear. Like, well, won't I be getting up early in the morning and, and drinking green juice and doing yoga like right. as a health coach? Yeah. But what actually happened was that I was 
thrown into this new world that I knew nothing about of, okay, now you're running your own business. You have to learn not only to do the coaching, but to do the legal side, the accounting side, the, you know, all these things that I had no idea about. And it was quite confronting. It was quite terrifying. And so I would find myself drinking more on the couch, like what I started to call couch drinking, rather than it being something that I did when I was socializing, it more became something that I was doing to avoid emotions, to avoid feelings and then to avoid anxiety or um, feeling afraid of what I didn't know. Sure. And I, I remember about six months into running this business, I sat into a, uh, a session with one of my beautiful clients over Skype and I looked into her eyes and she said, you know, sometimes when I feel lonely, I drink more. And I said, well, that's okay. And I was just horrified the minute I heard myself say it because I thought it's not okay. It's not okay for her and it's not okay for me. We need to like face these emotions. And what am I doing? Like I want to become a health coach, but I'm, I'm holding on to this old identity, this old pattern and not letting myself pour myself into something for the first time. Because I thought, you know, I, I had had success in the corporate world and in the past, but I had kind of fallen from one thing to another. I'd never, it had never let my, lit my soul on fire or anything like that. I'd never felt truly passionate about it. And I really felt passionate about trying this new business. And, you know, I was, I'd only just a, a year earlier had moved in with my love and he did not uh, approve or like my drinking at all. And so that was causing a lot of conflict as well. Okay. And so here was this this great man, this this great love that I had always wanted. Mm -hmm. And there was also this business that I had always wanted to do to help other people and to feel really fulfilled by my work. And was I willing to throw all of that away? and not not embark on this sort of uh, sober, sober journey. But I didn't know what that could look like. Like I didn't know anyone who was living sober and happy. I'd only seen things in movies or read them in books where people would stop drinking, but they were miserable for yeah. the rest of their lives. The you know this, right. And, and this sort of this, this thing that we see uh, portrayed in stories and fiction or in, in the media is that that was so so scary to me i was like i don't know if i can live the rest of my life like that like constantly white knuckling it constantly feeling like it's torn and in this battle of desperately wanting to have a drink but but not able to get on with my life right, and yeah. so you know that it it all led me to start researching because i'm a bit of a research geek and nerd anyway <laughs> and so I, I started to look around of like is there anyone out there that that is doing this this sort of thing like is there anyone who is happily sober and you know i started to look at different options out there and there were like government uh, initiatives that were available to people that wanted to stop drinking and i had a look at those and i was like don't feel like a good fit and i stumbled across um some sober blogs which blew my mind because at the time i had a, a food blog and and you know, I don't know why it blew my mind that people would be blogging about sobriety, but the things that they wrote about, I, I just felt this hurricane of recognition run through me as they talked about things like not having an off switch, having these blackouts, feeling so ashamed of things they did, and and that all of this was going on behind closed doors, that their friends and family had no idea that, well, you know, probably their partner did, <laughs> could see it up close, but the extended friends and family had no idea what was actually going on in their world. Mm -hmm. And I thought, 
I saw also how they would talk about keeping their friends and family groups separate. And I, I, I recognized how I would go out with a group of friends, black out, be so ashamed and embarrassed that I would then not see that group for a while. And I would instead move on to a different group and kind of keep them all separate so that I could convince myself that, oh, it's okay. You know, I haven't, I haven't messed up with that group for a while. So it's okay. Yeah all these things that I recognized. And as I read these stories, I was just so, so enthralled that most of, or, or actually all of the women who were writing had all said that they felt better after stopping drinking, that their lives were better, that they were happier. And when I first read this, I was th thought, they must be lying, like, right, sure, yeah. come on, like, you know, I, I can't believe it. Australia is such a huge drinking nation, I was like, how how would this even happen but I, then i was like well why would they lie it's just most of them were anonymous blogs so why would they lie so i i thought to myself i don't know if i can do 30 days i've I'd done 10 days but in the past of no drinking but to do 30 i i had no idea but i thought what if i could do three months because many of these blogs talked about you know three months is a really good time period to try and just commit yourself to doing those three months and see what happens an experiment of sorts and so i was like okay well i've got nothing to lose i in, in trying the sobriety journey i've got a lot to lose in in staying and thinking that i can keep drinking the way that i am and desperately trying to moderate in a way that hasn't worked for me for the past two decades so let's give this a try and so that that inspired me just to start on that path of of okay it's just for this this time period and it helped me to kind of tell friends and family I'm, I'm on a health kick for this three months and I'm not drinking okay. and I you found that that kind of like yeah a, yeah, yeah. I get it. like and and because I'd always been this this huge party girl this huge um social organizer because the alcohol made me extroverted and so right, people right. people saw me as this and I had this real identity as that mm -hmm. then it helped them to get used to this new me and it helped me to get used to this new me mm -hmm. and you know what ended up happening was happening was I felt so amazing that I just kept extending that goalpost mm. of like, okay, I've done three months and I feel amazing. Wonder what six months feels like. Sure. And I just kept moving that. And I know for some people when they stop, they they need that um, sort of a thought of forever, of like never again, that's it, that line in the sand. And for me, it was more like a, let's try this time period okay and and that's a definite and then once you've done that right let's move that goalpost out and now of course it's i'm just a non-drinker end of right, story right. but but yeah. at the time i found that really helpful yeah new, new identity now yeah for sure so what was that that last blackout moment tell us uh, about that like when you really just kind of said okay like this is it i have to you know i have to make this change or at least try yeah and and you know those, those sort of epiphanies they were starting to happen and there was a, a time where i went to a um to a party in just in the start of 2014 mm -hmm. and i didn't remember coming home like i remember that when we were going to this party my, my love and i and i we were running late because we'd been working on the business staff and and we got there late and 
everyone else was already quite tipsy. And so I thought, well, I have to catch up. I have to be on the same wavelength, you know? (laughs) And so I started downing them and downing them. And then I was just acted in a way that was just so ridiculous, especially when my love wasn't a drinker. Like he would have a couple here and there, but he never, he always preferred full consciousness. Mm -hmm. So he could see it with fresh eyes and call me out on stuff that I had never been called out on before. And, you know, I was like flirting, I was throwing my shoes across the room and just carrying on. But then I didn't remember the way home. And he said, you know, because my friend had a, uh, an apartment up a lot of high stairs. And he said, he said, me and another friend had to carry you down the stairs and, and take you into the taxi. And I was like, what's going on? Like, I, I'm about to turn 40 soon. I, you know, I can't keep carrying on like this. Like what I thought was kind of cute or funny in my 20s doesn't feel so cute or funny anymore. It feels quite tragic. And so you know, these things all started to build up in my mind that I was like, okay, I just have to have to give this uh, a stop. Like I have to actually um, give this a try. But the way that I, that my mind was so entrenched in alcohol, I was like, but I need to just have one last hurrah. You know, I need to say one last goodbye. But it was so interesting that last goodbye, I ended up going to stay at my parents' house and they had been big drinkers as well. And my love wasn't there. And I was like, okay, great. Now I can just get stuck into them and I can just enjoy myself. But you can't unknow what you know, right? Once you once you start to realize that once this denial starts to fall away, you can see it. And so even as I was drinking it, it was sort of tinged with sadness of like, uh, you know, this is, it's not working for me. What am I yeah. doing? Yeah. And the whole, the fun was gone. It was mm. just like, no, this is just not happening. So on the drive home from my parents the next day, I was just sobbing, just thinking about so much wasted time that I'd spent drinking that I was terrified of what sobriety could be. I was terrified of success. Like what if, what if this goes well and I have to change my entire life? Scared of failure and then thinking I'm not, not capable of anything. You know, I was so worried about what that would look like if I lost everything else in my life. And there was just so much fear, but it just helped me to be like, you know, it's just this little experiment, like just stay focused on this small amount of time and just see what happens. So I just kept moving forward like that. And and it was just such a a period of growth. Like now I look back and I'm like, there were so many growing pains in those first few weeks and months where Mm -hmm. I was learning things for the first time and coming to terms with emotions I'd never felt in my entire life. Mm, Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that that's a lot. And I'm remembering the one of the last times that, uh, you know, that I uh, got high, and it was the same thing that you're saying, it was just like, not enjoyable, not fun. I I think the thing that just clicked for me as you were speaking and, and kind of sharing that moment for you, it was this thing that was the answer for so long wasn't working anymore. And that that was just such a scary moment, because it's like, wow, well, kind of like you said, where, where do I go from here? And um, one thing that you pointed out, I, I always find so interesting, and I think you're just dead on about there, maybe this is changing a little bit now with with like recovery becoming like more of like a mainstream thing, right? And And it's in every show and every movie. And uh, you know, a lot more present than it used to be. But for the most part, I think you're right. In every TV show, in every movie, it's like this miserable person 
who is trying to stop drinking or doing drugs or like just barely holding on minute by minute, like life just sucks. And uh, God, it's just the worst seeing that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes, makes people feel pretty hopeless, right? Exactly, exactly. And I love that that's starting to change. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, if you or any of your uh, community or audience watch um, The American Bachelorette. <laughs> But I recently watched yeah, that and I saw yeah. that she chose a man who is like almost a decade sober. And I was pumping my fist. I was like, look at this. Mm -hmm. How brilliant is this? Because here is a man who knows himself, who is has done the emotional work, who who will be honest, who will be there for you. You know, I, I just loved that so much. Whereas in the past, I think we had this idea that it was a a floor or a, or a real, um, you know, something that was a, a detriment to yeah. a relationship relationship or a person. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because my wife loves watching the, the Bachelor <laughs> and Bachelorette. And so I, I saw that and, and I'd love to get him on the show at some point. But yeah, oh, um, that, that was one of the things I was thinking about, like, it's kind of in the mainstream now. And I think that we are starting to see more people that, uh, that have actually, they are using it as an asset. Uh, kind of the opposite of what you were, you know, what we uh, see a lot of the time, you know, it's not this liability or this problem, but something we can use uh, to, to really better our lives. So, um, you know, and, and I also get what you were saying, like, let me just, I think a lot of people kind of think of the one day at a time thing, right? Like, um, for me, my mind was, how am I not going to drink? You know, I hadn't gotten married yet. How am I not going to drink in my wedding? How am I not going to you know, do all these things way down the line, right? And uh, I think just staying in the moment and, and being present is, um, for me anyway, was super important. Um, mm -hmm. So that that's awesome that you were able to get started like that. And, and that's cool that you saw these other blogs that, uh, you know, really pointed out that, hey, you can actually be happy and get sober. So I, I do want to ask, you were mentioning those, those first few days and, and first few weeks, what really helped you the most? Uh, in those first few days, those first few moments, even as you were getting started. Mm, yeah, because it it's so difficult in those first few months and, and weeks, right? It, uh, I wrote a, uh, my first memoir about that first journey. And mm -hmm. when I read it back, I said to my love, gosh, I, I cried so much. I cried so much in that that early period, because I think we we're coming to terms with the the new emotions that we're feeling and uh, we're figuring out how to live again in many ways but at the same time we're trying to reconcile because we grow so much in that first period and you know i feel like my emotional maturity had been stuck at that of a 16 year old and as i started to gain full clarity through sobriety i started to see oh my gosh, the way that I had behaved in the past or reacted in conversations and relationships, it was not okay. And I think when we, we become sober, we, we're reconciling all of what's happening in the present as well as feeling like what I did in the past is, is not cool. And so we're, we're stuck on this, this trajectory of feeling like we're a little bit um a little bit lost a little bit trying to figure out who we are as this new person and reconcile that with what we've been through in the past and i found that 
forgiveness like the act of forgiveness was so so helpful for me of just being like it's okay if you mess up today in this moment like with with the way that I would because I was quite hard on myself with my responses and reactions in relationships I think that's always been a big thing for me whether it was in friendships or family or my love you know I, I want to be proud of myself in the way that I uh, conduct myself in the way the things that come out of my mouth <laughs> and so I, I would if I would um, behave like a 16 year old in arguments and things like that, then I would feel like really ashamed of myself. So I, in those first few weeks, I was like, so okay, if you mess up, you, you know, what did you learn from it? And what would you do or say differently next time? And I started to sort of coach myself through that. And when it came to the um, flashbacks of things I'd done in the past, it helped me to really sort of journal those out and be like, okay, you know, process what actually happened and what you would do differently this time and just forgive yourself because you didn't know then what you know now, like you weren't, you didn't have the emotional maturity or the, the uh, resources to do then what you do now. And, you know, that was something that I had always been quite hard on myself. I'd always been like, go hard or go home. You know, oh, too bad. You you feel bad today. Too bad. Get up and do it all over again. Right. I'd never tr tried this kind of self-kindness where I spoke to myself kindly or started to kind of parent myself in a way where I was like, you know, okay, you messed up. Let's sit down. Let's think about what you could do differently in the future. I had never done that. It had always been these just immediate impulse reactions. So really processing um with forgiveness was helpful also self-care because again you know i had never really treated myself kindly like that before so going to bed at a good time and eating good healthy food and looking after my sleep and um trying some movement activities that i enjoyed and approaching things from an angle of you know how can i move my body in a way where it feels like I love it, not in a way that feels like deprivation or punishment, because I realized that so much of my life in the past had been about that, whether it was exercise, whether it was my diet, it had always been like, okay, I'd get on the scales and think you're too fat, you need to stop eating or this or that. It had never been, why don't we try eating things that make us feel good? You know, right, why don't right. you try eating things that make you um, have more energy and sleep better and do things out of kindness. So it was this real process of this forgiveness and this self care and trying to just um, treat myself like I would a best friend, you know, we're often so hard on ourselves. And if your best friend said something to you, um, you know, where they had messed up or something, you would be, you would help them. You would be like, it's okay. Like, what did you learn from it? How can we move forward mm -hmm. rather than, you know, speaking very um, hatefully to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that 100%. I really like that. The forgiveness uh, playing a big role in those first days. And I, I want to, I do want to circle back around to the, the health stuff here in a minute, because I'm a, I'm a health coach myself. And I, I know that's played a you know, major role in, in my recovery and just my life as well. But I do want to hear more about your first book, A Happier Hour. So how did you actually decide to, to write the book to begin with? That was because when I um well, I was running a, this food blog when I when I first stopped drinking and after I'd done three months and decided that I would do six months sobriety, I was like, I feel like I should give back the way that these other blogs had helped me. Uh, I yeah. should write on the, my food blog about my journey, mm -hmm. but I was quite terrified because 
of course, I'd left the corporate world to become a health coach. What if no one wanted to work with me because I had this drinking problem? Right. What if then my uh, old colleagues and bosses read these blog posts and they didn't want me back in the corporate world either? Like, what on earth would I do? And so I procrastinated a bit, quite a bit and finally thought, you know, I have to do it. Like, I feel like impulsively, even though, or instinctively, even though I'm scared, it will really, it could really help someone. And so I put these blog posts out there telling my story about why I'd stopped drinking for three months and how it had gone and what I'd done and what had helped me. And as I hit that publish button, I was just shaking and I went and sat on the couch and I made myself a cup of tea and I was just like trying to breathe and calm down and just thinking constantly, do I delete it? Do I delete it? And within minutes, I started to receive these comments and and emails back from people that said, you know, it was like reading my diary. You took all of the words out of my head and put them onto the page. Wow. I, you know, and they were talking about all these things that were going on behind closed doors that I had no idea about. And I could see the level of suffering. And that inspired me to go on to, to put into a, like an online program, all the things that had helped me because I was like, okay, let's see if this will also help people. And lo and behold, it did. And those women, you know, they would find themselves on whether it was day seven or day 17 or 77, and, you know, in tears one day, and they would write into the program and say, you know, I, I feel like I'm losing my mind. You were never like this. And I was like, I was, I promise you, it's all part of the process. Like, I promise you, it's the growing pains. And so that inspired me to, to actually put it down on paper of like, okay, here's the journey. Like, here's the journey that I went on and take from it what 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 you will. And I kind of put the some of the lessons um, or the things that really helped me in amongst the story so that they could also, you know, take parts from that. So that's what really inspired me. I had no idea it would grow to, to, to the level that it has, but it's just been so incredible the way that it has impacted. And I was talking to someone yesterday actually about she was asking about the um the the parts that helped people most. And I said, you know, it's so interesting with books. We each take from it what we need based on our uh, experiences and our expectations and things like that and things right. that will help us in the moment yeah. and so different parts you know help different people and mm -hmm. i just love that i love that that it, it can be something that lives on to help others yeah that, that's really awesome i'm actually i was thinking about as you were just uh sharing about I, i'm just going to call it the living your truth part of all this because uh funny enough one of my old business coaches who's from australia he used to always talk about how living your truth will get you to where you want to be so much faster, you know, and, and I've come to see that. And it sounds like that just propelled you into exactly where you wanted to be. So I, I think that's really cool. And yeah, I, I love that about the book. I mean, it sounds like what you were doing is, is not only giving back, but providing a lot of clarity uh, for, for these women, you know, and mm -hmm. because it's so helpful when you're starting a journey, just like for you, I'm sure. And, and like, for me, hearing other people that have been through it, when you know what to expect, it takes a, mm -hmm. just a little bit of the edge off, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. It's that saying of like, if you see it, you can be it and mm -hmm. having those role like models. That. And, and, and that's always been so important to me in the program. I, I interviewed a lot of women like you're doing, you know, with the podcast as well mm -hmm. to share those stories and to show that there are people out there living without a drink in their hand and they're perfectly happy and they're, they're do, you know, chasing their dreams and doing all these things. And you start to then assimilate that you start to believe that it might be possible for you too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Because it's, it's kind of these two thoughts, right? It's that number one, like we discussed, there's no way that people can be happy and sober. But then the other thought is to say, even if you start to think, well, maybe that's true. It's like, no one understands what's going through my head. Like I am alone in this. No one else gets this, you know, just like people were saying to you, well, you didn't go through this. And it's like, well, yeah, actually I did. And here are 50 other women <laughs> you know, that are going <laughs> yes. through the, the same thing. So that, that is, that is so helpful. Um, now, once we kind of, you know, remove the, the alcohol and drugs, you, you touched on the emotions earlier, right? There's all these feelings that, that we've been numbing for so long. Do you have any tips for, you know, self-soothing or managing these emotions in a, in a healthy way? Just, just so that we're, we're really, I guess, living a, a, a healthier, sober lifestyle, so to speak. Mm, yes. And I, I was so terrified of emotions in the beginning. Like yeah. now I look back and I'm like, gosh, I was so scared of them. And I remember in the early days, just some days, just sobbing and my love being like, what is wrong? Use your words. Mm -hmm. And But I didn't even, I couldn't even name like I had no idea what the emotions were because I'd shoved them down for so long never mind know how to articulate what they were or or to name what the emotions were yeah. and sorry you know this is where I really felt like this 16 year old in many ways where I was learning to identify these emotions and also so to learn to that that they weren't going to destroy me like I would run and hide from them so much rather than facing them and when I started to actually sit with them I was like it's not that bad actually. Like if you just let you let yourself feel them, you they tend to pass by. One of our beautiful interviewees, she said, you know, that emotions are transient. They pass by like by like clouds in the sky. And sometimes you have a really cloudy day and sometimes you have a, a sunny day, but they are always transient. And I loved that imagery of just thinking, it's okay, they they will pass and they'll pass better and more quickly if you allow them and just feel them. So that was always my my first thing of like letting ourselves feel them. And I, I find I hear quite often that people who have been big drinkers can be quite sensitive souls. <laughs> we can feel things very maybe, deeply. Maybe. Just me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And this is potentially why we would feel like drink more in, in the past is to sort of numb those emotions and not have to deal with a world that felt like too much. And, but, you know, the beautiful thing about that sensitivity is that if we allow it, we can also experience deeper um, empathy, deeper creativity, and I suppose not shunning that, that part of us that might feel more sensitive, but instead allowing it. And also something that used to help me was just thinking that, you know, feeling the whole spectrum of human emotions, it's, it's such a privilege, like it's such a, it's such a beautiful, magical thing to actually feel all of them. Like the joy that I feel now is so much higher than anything I ever felt when I was drinking. And now when I feel like I want to celebrate or I feel like really, really happy about something or ecstatic about something, 
where before I would have thought, oh, quick, add champagne because it'll make it better. Now I'm like, why did I do that? It would have numbed this feeling. This feeling is so sublime that it would only numb it down. And of course, when we feel bad, we think that alcohol will make it go away, but it only brings it back double strength the next day. You feel bad about yourself and you feel, you know, bad with the hangover. And the forgiveness, again, really helped me with those early emotions and remembering that we're changing our identity and that is some scary stuff when we when we stop drinking um we're relearning who we are and what we're capable of and how to be in the world again like how to be with others how to be with ourselves how to what our simple habits are each day rather than coming home from work and opening a drink or rather than opening a drink when making dinner we're learning these different habits these different patterns and stuff and that it it's a process and it's scary and sort of forgiving yourself um if you get upset with that change forgiving yourself with any emotions that bubble up can be really really helpful again coming back to that kindness and increasing self-care as well like that self-soothing i always find anything that you can do with your full body i always found to be really really helpful so if I would feel a lot of anxiety or something, if I could get into a salt bath or if I could go outside in for a walk in nature or something that uses up more of the senses, it would be really soothing. And I always find nature's really soothing anyway when we're feeling any kind of emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, but really uh, getting into our body because I feel like I, I had lived in my head for so long and actually getting into my body it always just helped me to sort of calm my mind as well and calm those emotions yeah absolutely well and i think you're right like we can kind of you know it's almost like our brain is changing the subject when we just get like moving or change our scenery or what we're doing right it's like okay on on to the the next thing i mean i think a lot of the times maybe we would call it distracting ourselves but it's really like changing our state right mm. and and it, it does kind of change our our thinking a little bit i really like that analogy with the clouds you know that uh that, that the emo- emotions are just clouds kind of drifting by and you know i mentioned clarity one, one of the biggest pieces of clarity that that i got um you know from some mentors early on in sobriety was them just telling me that like hey these um, like you will have emotions pop up and you will probably not like you said be able to identify them but they are just like they're just going to come and you're just going to you are going to feel them and and that did happen you know i mean and but but i also like the flip side of that that you talked about i've never really thought about that too much i, I would like to think today that you know i can be a little bit more empathetic and i can feel these like these I can feel emotion more and I can feel the good things more too. And I think that's, that's a real gift in my mind. Absolutely. That joy, that bliss, like I had no idea it could be that good, that it could feel that good. I think I was always in this kind of baseline where I was avoiding the top emotions and avoiding the bottom emotions. Mm -hmm. 
I was avoiding the top ones, but we can't numb one side without numbing the other side. So now, yeah, okay, I I feel anxiety and things like that, but I know these self-care strategies to move myself through those, to make myself um, feel better, to to soothe myself, to work through what the emotions are trying to tell me. But then there's that other side, which now is like so much higher, so much more joyful than ever before. And it's such a delicious feeling. And it's so funny as well like I think with when we've been drinking for a long time we can we can lose touch with how beautiful just ordinary moments are like now if I see a bird land on a a branch or something I'm just enthralled I'm just like I I feel this joy of like just watching this little bird or if I you know yesterday I went for a swim at the beach and I was like loving the waves and the the smell of the surf and it's just this different level of appreciation for all these little moments in life that I lost touch with I thought that alcohol was the only thing that could give me fun, connection, relaxation, celebration. I put, I gave all of my power away to this alcohol that, you know, I was then left with nothing else. And that was part of why I was so terrified to take it away. Cause then what would life look like? I thought it would be all black and white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I get that. Yeah. That that's awesome. I, I remember, um, gosh, I, I probably had maybe just over a year sober, like two two years sober or something like that. And uh, I was like just driving with my wife in the car. And I think this was around, maybe it was around like my, uh, you know, like two year anniversary or something like that of sobriety. And, and I don't remember even exactly what had happened, but like a good thing had happened. And I was just feeling so grateful. And it was like, we were just driving along (laughs) and my wife looked over at me. She's like, why are you crying? Like what, what happened? And I, and man, this just hit me. And I, like, I mentioned that because I'm thinking back, like the last time that I was crying before that, like my life was in shambles. Like, I don't know that, I don't think I had ever in my life shed a tear because life was so good. You know, I mean, that's just, that was like an, a very odd uh, thing to me, but, but I get what you're, what you're saying. You know, it's like, you really do uh, appreciate e- even the little things so much more. And that's, uh, that, that's really awesome. I, I want to come back to the health because I'm, I'm a health guy. I'm a, I'm <laughs> a fitness and nutrition guy. I, I want to get your take. I, I always like to hear this, like, where does all of this fit into sobriety in your mind? You know, for me, it's been really, really helpful to to really uh, uh, use what I'd learned about nutrition because in early sobriety in particular, I really was a sugar fiend. Like I wanted all the sugar in my sure. mouth immediately. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so I, I would then eat like sweet vegetables instead, or I would make raw desserts, you know, things that had fiber in them as well. And that, that would keep my emotions on a more even keel. And I think that's one of the biggest things that is... I I teach in the program and that I found helpful myself as well is that food, I used to believe it only had this purpose of either making my body bigger or smaller. I was always obsessed with the calories calories, and, you know, all that kind of dieting and stuff. I never realized until I studied to be a health coach that it could change the way that I perceive the world, the way that I feel in my body, the way that I um, think more clearly. I had no idea that nutrition could do all these things, Mm. um, which now seems silly to me, but at the time I, I didn't realize. And when I started to uh, eat better and 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 work on these things, I, I noticed that it wasn't just 
my body that was changing it was my mental state as well like it was the the way that i could be more creative and work more with more clarity and have more energy and feel better and happier in many ways because i my emotions were even so you know i think it's such a huge part that can be really really helpful to people because when uh, one one of my old um, colleagues she said junk food in junk moods out and wow. I think that's so such a good little saying as well like junk foods junk moods and when we have junk moods we're more inclined to reach for something that we think will make us feel better sure, so sure. you know I think that it can then be a slippery slope back to drinking because we feel rubbish we feel bad about ourselves and so you know we we want to reach for something that that will change that mm. but the the when we take care of ourselves and i suppose it's coming back to that self-care and self-love as well of how do we be kinder to ourselves and one thing that i love to teach is, is a principle that i learned when i was studying to be a health coach which was about fitting out which was not about saying you can't eat this or you can't eat that but instead saying with love okay, what, what green vegetable could I eat today? You know, just add that in, you know, and what, what extra glass of water could I have today and add that in? So you're adding things in rather than thinking about taking things away. And of course, the more you add in the healthy stuff, the more the old unhealthy stuff gets crowded out. And so it's just a nice gentle way to go about it. Yeah, I, I love that. I'm laughing to myself because that one of the first things that I have clients do is add a glass, add more water, <laughs> you know, and it seems like just like the most basic thing, but you know, look, if we want to uh, relate this back to sobriety and I'm, I'm stealing the junk food, junk mood uh, saying, by the way, that's <laughs> a great getting, one being written down here in a second. <laughs> I really <laughs> like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, if we just think about energy, like th this is what I what I can see a lot more clearly now, but what I definitely saw a little bit like early in my sobriety, because see, I, my health was crap before I got sober and I had always wanted to be healthy though, you know? And, um, and so thankfully I started to, to get into that, like as soon as I got sober, but, uh, you know, it's, I think it's just one of these deals in my mind. It's like, you know, if I don't feel good and I don't have much energy, then how much energy am I going to be able to give to the sobriety thing? You know, no matter what, mm -hmm. what it is I'm doing, you know, because I think to some degree, like we're, we're supposed to be doing all of these uncomfortable things. And if I don't feel great, I just feel like it's, it's a barrier. And, and from what mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of the times, the, the kind of physical side of this, although I do see like in, uh, you know, with like treatment centers or maybe like outpatient stuff, I think maybe there's more, uh, you know, more of this being talked about. But I think a lot of the times, like the physical aspect is almost just left out altogether. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's a, a big mistake. I've, I've definitely had clients and talked to a lot of people that have been sober for a long time. And, um, you know, so they, they've got the sobriety part down, but they just don't feel that great. And, and they, mm -hmm. they're like, it's my health, like my health is, is suffering, and it's affecting the rest the rest of my life and maybe their sobriety to some degree. So I think, I, I don't know. Do you think that's something that a lot of people kind of leave out? I'm, I'm kind of curious if you've, if you've got yeah, any take on that. 
I totally agree. And, and, and I think it's to people's detriment because it really does make such a massive change because when you feel, you wake up in the morning and you feel good, you have more energy to change your life. You have more energy to give to the sobriety. You have more energy to give back to yourself and to others. And, you know, you, you feel, you start to feel proud of yourself as well. You feel good about yourself. And that is causes this beautiful chain reaction where the more you feel good about yourself, the more you will treat yourself well, and then the, the, the better you feel about yourself again. And it's this beautiful uh, sequence of love that then radiates outwards where you have more to give to others because you are, you are taking care of yourself. You're putting on your oxygen mask first, if you like, you know, you're, you're looking after this one body that we're all given and that helps you to um, do all the other things and chase after your dreams and, and reach your full potential and do all these things that you really want to do. It's that baseline. And I think we we so often are, think always about the mind and, and, and getting our thoughts straight and all that sort of right, stuff right. without thinking about the body, but they're so intertwined. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very well said. Before we wrap up here, Rebecca, and I, I think you've given, you know, I always try to get as much value <laughs> uh, for our listeners and the people watching this as possible. So I appreciate everything you shared, but I want to ask if there's maybe one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the sober nation, whether it's for someone that, you know, is where you are and, and they're in those first few days trying to figure out what to do, or maybe they've been sober for a little while and they're just kind of struggling a little bit. If there's anything that you'd like to share with them. Yeah. Oh, this was one of my biggest lessons throughout sobriety or, or one of my biggest mantras was like, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. And I would say that to myself because I didn't have a lot of experience with following through on things. And I didn't have a lot of experience with um, knowing what I was capable of. And I think the the confidence comes through taking action. So for anyone listening, I would say, follow your intuition, that that little voice inside that says, you know, maybe we should stop drinking, maybe we should stop drinking for an extended period. And as you start to do this sobriety, as you start to actually, you know, do this every day, you will change as you go. You don't have to worry about things in the future. And I love what you were saying before, Jonathan, about worrying about, oh, but what about what I'll drink on my wedding day? And I've had women say this to me where they don't even have a boyfriend yet. And they're like, but what will I do on my wedding day? And it's like, right, you, will yeah. you will be a different person then. Yeah, and you yeah, might yeah. find that you, you're with a different love. My, my love and I got married two years ago now, and we had a completely alcohol-free wedding. And so, you know, I had no idea I would ever marry someone that didn't really care for drinking. So you never know what's around the corner. So I think just go ahead and, and, and try and, and take action because that action will lead to confidence and that confidence will spur you forward to trying the next action. So keep, keep moving forwards. Wow. That, that's really awesome advice. And I think, like you said, that will lead to, like you touched on so many, so many times here that, that new identity that, mm -hmm. that we're really, I, I think that's what we're after. Right. And it's such a scary thing, but at the end of the day, that's, that's what we're after is really trying to become uh, the way I think about it is just that person that, that we really want to be, or we, we were meant to be in, in mm -hmm. my mind. And so that's, that's awesome advice. So uh, you can learn more about Rebecca, her coaching, and all of her books, including A Happier Hour by visiting bexweller.com. -E Thanks again for coming on the show, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me.
Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.